Last week, the Saints finally found a recipe for success, shutting out the Raiders. A big, heavy dose of the Saints defense. Alvin Kamara, Taysom Hill, can they do it again on Monday Night Football against the Baltimore Ravens? They'll certainly need to. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the LSU stunning victory against Alabama. It's all coming up next with Jeff Duncan on Datitude. If you're looking for the latest scoop and in-depth interviews on the Saints, the NFL, the Pelicans, LSU, along with the best bets of the week, then lucky you. Along with high-powered, in-the-know guests who cover our teams, Jim Derry brings plenty of datitude. And he'll always tell you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends elsewhere who are trying to figure out how they're going to call in sick tomorrow. It's going to be a long night tonight. You're going to be up late. And we'll be up late. This is Datitude, episode number 112 for a Monday, November the 7th. 2022. I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the Times Picayune, the advocate at bet.nola.com. And do we have anything to talk about in this Monday? Well, we're not talking about a Saints game because they haven't played yet. That's coming tomorrow. We're going to have a special Tuesday edition of Datitude. It won't be a long one, but I got to get Derry's dime in. And uh, we hope it's a fun Derry's dime and not a Derry downer Derry's dime. Can it happen? Sure. Sure, it can happen. I mean, if the Saints use that recipe for success that they had last week, why not? Will they? Well, that's coming in my predictions in just a little bit. Jeff Duncan, we did a special live show this morning on all of our NOLA.com and bet.nola.com social media pages. And uh, so this is kind of going to be like a regular Friday show, just doing it on Monday. We had a Friday show, and we're doing another one on Monday here. Uh, so previewing the Saints-Ravens coming up, Dunk and I will tell you what we think with the keys to victory are and our predictions. But uh, I think we know what the keys to victory are. We just go into them with a, a little bit more in depth. I mean, it, it's, no, it's no secret. The Saints showed last week what, they're, what they have to do to win. And it's going to be even more important. You know, last week you played a Raiders team that had all sorts of illness issues coming across the country. Derek Carr is not a mobile quarterback. He's kind of a statue back there. And the Saints were able to get to him, pressure him into some throws he didn't want to throw. And the Raiders, frankly, aren't very good. We saw him lose again yesterday to Jacksonville, despite the fact they had a 17-point lead. They allowed the Jaguars to come back from 17 points down. So don't get too fired up. This is a completely different team with a completely different kind of quarterback. Now, the Ravens are banged up, too. They don't have their all-pro tight end tonight, Mark Andrews. They don't have their number one running back in Gus Edwards. So it's going to come down a lot to Lamar Jackson and whether the Saints can stop him. And the Saints don't have a recent history of being able to stop running quarterbacks. They just don't. But with the fact that he doesn't have a lot of his weapons, that'll be interesting to find out if they can. On the other side, uh, 
You know, Alvin Kamara had, a, had his, his best week of the year so far. It's going to be a lot tougher to do against Baltimore's highly rated rushing defense. I believe they're second in the NFL in rushing defense. They're 25th against the pass. So you know what that means. Oh, boy. I mean, I hope I don't come. I hope I come on here tomorrow. I hope all the social media geniuses are just pounding me with how well Andy Dalton played. But Andy Dalton doesn't play well in prime time. He hasn't throughout his career. And how well is he going to play with much more of a load on his shoulders tonight than he had last week, or frankly, maybe even at any other time this season? We're going to find out. But I think the key to victory for the Saints is not only trying to establish some sort of run, and obviously the defense playing with the intensity that they played with last week. But I think Andy Dalton has got to throw for 300 yards. And I think he has to go turnover free. Maybe one pick he can get away with. Whether he can do that, I don't know. You know, I wrote my trends column this morning. I, it was hard to believe Andy Dalton has played the Ravens. And I know they were, that he was in the same division with him when he was in Cincinnati. But he's played this Ravens team 17 times. He's had 17 starts against the Ravens. His stats, I mean, for 17 games, you'd think they'd be a little bit better. 4,200 yards, that's great. But he's thrown, uh, let's see, 15 picks against this team in 17 games. It's not real good. Um, Actually, it might have been more than that. Now that I think about it, let's see. I got it up on my screen here. Andy Dalton has 19 picks. He's got a 57.2% completion percentage again. That's not good. So 22 touchdowns, 19 interceptions is going to have to be better than that because the Saints will certainly be counting on him tonight. Again, I hope I come in here tomorrow. I hope I come in here in December. I hope I come in here in January. And you can all laugh at me and tell me, Derry, you're an idiot. But let's, let's face reality, too. If I'm right, I mean, nobody's going to want to hear about the five and ten saints when we get to late December or the six and nine saints or whatever the hell they're going to be. They have a real opportunity now on the positive side. They have a, I mean, it doesn't take Captain Obvious to figure out with the Falcons losing yesterday, Tampa Bay's not any good. I mean, it kind of irked me a little bit that this morning on all the talking heads, they're leading with the Tampa Bay game. That game was terrible. Those two teams are terrible. I'm not saying they're average or below. They're bad. Neither one of those teams can run the football. That's one thing the Saints certainly have over a lot of the other teams in this league, or at least in this division. The Saints can run the football, and they're going to have to. And I think that maybe, I don't know about tonight. It's going to be a little bit tougher to do it tonight. But I think that overall, that does give the Saints an advantage. They're in a stretch now. Duncan and I talk about it in just a minute. But Ravens tonight on Monday Night Football, with a, it's going to be a super loud, super crazy home crowd against the Ravens. And then they go to Pittsburgh, and then they host a Rams team that I've already told you I think is terrible. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting. Because if they can win tonight, I mean, seriously, I, I never thought I would have said this even two weeks ago. If they can win tonight, I mean, 
who knows what they can do. Because they get a chance to go get back to 500 next week at Pittsburgh, and I think that changes the entire outlook of this team. They have not won back-to-back games yet this year. They have got to do it tonight. And if they don't do it tonight, they certainly have to do it the following two weeks because you've, you've got, if they go down to three and six tonight, got to get to five and six. Five and six is, is doable. You, but the back end of the schedule, again, something else we'll talk about. But at San Francisco, at Philadelphia, at Cleveland coming up on Christmas Eve with Deshaun Watson in the fold and probably the best running game in the NFL. It's not easy, boys and girls. It's really not. So it starts tonight. Saints got to show, got to show up and show up well. Um, it's going to be fun. Uh, before we get to Dunk and we talk about it with Duncan, but man, LSU moved up to number seven in the AP poll. Probably going to move up to six or seven in the college football playoff rankings. I know no one's talking about the Tigers, and they're, all they're talking about is the win over Alabama. But I think LSU's like legitimately put themselves in a position to where they can. I mean, if they make the SC championship game, they'd be big underdogs to Georgia. Probably at least the fourteen that they wanted dogs Alabama at the minimum. But man, if they find a way to get to the SC championship game, no matter how big of a dog they are, if they were to win that, I mean, I know maybe it's it's dreaming, but uh, wouldn't that be interesting? Because you have to think it would mess up a lot of stuff. If it, I mean the the winner of the SC championship game, in my opinion, has to be a, a lot has to be automatic for the playoff, right? I mean, you wouldn't be able to put Georgia in there and not put LSU if they beat them. It would probably hose Tennessee because I think Tennessee if they went out, I know again talking heads talking this morning about if this team does this, they need TCU to lose. Ah, BS. If Tennessee wins out, they're, they're going to go to the they're going to go unless LSU were to run the table, win the SC championship, and then they take LSU in Georgia. All possibilities. Long way to go. A lot of football left in the college football season, but the, the job that I, I've said it multiple times, I don't know that I've said it enough here in this podcast, but the job that Brian Kelly has done to transform this team in the matter of a couple of months is insane. Jaden Daniels' transformation over the course since that Florida State game is frankly beyond anyone's possible belief. If you would have shown me tape of this Alabama game after the Florida State game, now I thought he was the right quarterback for LSU. I always thought he was the right quarterback for LSU. He's better than Nussmeier. He's better than anything else that, that's on the team. I said this back then. But I couldn't have imagined a transformation like this. This kid is a legit, I mean, a top eight or ten college football quarterback right now. Legit. Whether he has a pro future or not, I don't know. He's still got a year left at LSU. How good can this team be next year? This is supposed to be a rebuilding year. Fun. I mean, it goes to show what a real coach can do to bring back a program and watch Brian Kelly get emotional about how he brought, you know, just wanted to restore the pride in this program. 
And that's weird to say coming off of a national championship just three years ago. But they, he, he did. The cupboard was bare. I said it in September. I'll say it in November. Brian Kelly inherited a team where the cupboard was bare. And he's turned these marginal players into really good ones. This offensive line was terrible in the first couple games of the year. Just bad. They look like a legit offensive line now. The, the, the running back situation. They haven't been great, but they've been better than I've expected. Brian Thomas is a real receiver. Kayshawn Butte is, it hasn't been great, but he's been good enough. Mason Taylor, where did he come from? So they've got offensive weapons, and the defense, I know they gave up 31 points to Alabama, but that's Bryce Young you're talking about. That's the, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and Nick Saban. And sure, Alabama screwed some things up. They did things that Alabama teams don't do. That doesn't take anything away from what LSU did. Amazing. So that'll be fun to watch. We also touch on the, the Pelicans coming up. Let's get to them. We've got a, an hour-long interview with Duncan here. And, uh, again, all of our thoughts on LSU, but mostly spending time on Saints-Ravens and the Keys and our predictions coming up here. Dunk, I want to start off with one of the most just incredible – I mean, I don't even know how to put it. It's just incredible games of the year in college football, and it involved the LSU Tigers in a stunning 32-31 victory over Alabama. And I thought it would be a close game. I thought LSU would, would lose. I thought they wouldn't cover. Um, I thought they wouldn't be in it. And once again, Brian Kelly uh, and, and Jaden Daniels just was outstanding, and the game plan was phenomenal. And Dunk, I tell you what, this LSU team is way ahead of schedule. Yeah, that was pretty epic theater on Saturday night. Uh, that'll be one of those games that people will remember uh, forever. Uh, it was easily one of the best games I've ever seen. And um, just the way LSU won it in overtime, having the, the gumption to go for two there. Uh, Brian Kelly, certainly, if there, anybody was on the fence about the Brian Kelly hire, I think he, exactly. I think he got those people off the fence with that call. And, and what a great environment and atmosphere. I mean, it's, it's really what makes Tigers uh, stadium so special. And the massive improvement of Jaden Daniels from week one to now is, I mean, I don't know how else to put it, but I mean, I use the word stunning already. It's, you can use it, whatever word, uh, improbable, stunning, just, I mean, no one could have predicted that this, this kid could have been, could improve this much in this short period of time. I mean, I thought he was the right quarterback for this team. But the way he has improved, even since the Tennessee game, really. But, I mean, you have seen steady improvement in this kid, and it is, it is immense. It, it's, it's wonderful to see. Well, when he transferred to LSU, I, I talked to some of my, my colleagues, like national college football writers, and they told me this, this guy's going to be really good. I remember them telling me that he's going to start. And, uh, you know, I, I know there was a crowded quarterback room at the time. They said, don't worry, he'll, he'll be the guy there. And they were right. And, it, look, there were some bumps in the road early. I remember my first column of the year on LSU was after the Florida State game, and I said people need to be patient because he's going to get there. You could just see the talent. But, uh, you know, we don't have a lot of patience in, in this day and age anymore. It's a microwave society. So it's great to see him 
play with the confidence. You can see it the way he carries himself. He's playing with great confidence and credit also to Brian Kelly and his staff because they've obviously figured out what he's comfortable doing, what he's good at doing, and uh, they tailored the game plan to that. There's no question about it. And, you know, <clears throat> again, we're going to talk mostly about Saints this afternoon, uh, this morning, this afternoon. I've been up for a while. So, I mean, I guess maybe in a way it is. I'm still not used to the time change. It's weird. Um, but uh, we are going to talk mostly about Saints today. But I do want to run a, a small, short clip about Brian Kelly. And he talks about the two-point conversion decision. And I, I think it encapsulates that, you know, everyone's talking about how it took guts to, to run that two-point conversion. I'm not taking anything away from Brian Kelly. Again, I think he's the right coach and the right person, but I don't think it took guts. I think it was the only call to make, and he talks about it here. Let's listen to it. For me, uh, just to see them grow, um, this was the next stage in development uh, of our football team um, and, and that they needed to just not think about outcome and, and think about one play at a time get to the next play, focus, refocus, and um, that was that was the charge all week. Um, many people had talked about not getting off to a good start and all those things. How do, how do you change that? And so we really, we're, we're talking so much more about um, just locking in mentally on one play at a time. Don't think about the scoreboard. And I thought they did a great job. The second thing that I'd like to bring up is the crowd was unbelievable. Um, they created an energy uh, unlike one that I can remember uh, that was sustainable for our football team. Uh, that was truly a home field advantage for us. And then I thought tactically we played smart, the last thing. Um, you know, we were able to pin um, Alabama in, in uh, poor field position, mostly the first half uh, made it difficult for them. And um, I thought we just played smart. We didn't turn the football over. Um, we had the one play where we came out of coverage late. Other than that, I think our guys played really smart football. So, you know, the basic tenets of winning games like this is one play at a time, play tactically smart, take care of the football. Um, you know, I, I thought we did all those things and really grew up today. So, Coach, um the thinking on the two-point conversion, when you got the ball, were you saying, we're going to take it and if you score, we're going to go for it, or was it a decision at that moment? Um, it was, you know, it was a decision at that moment. Um, I, I just felt as I thought about it, um, you know, if we could boil this game down to one play and, and win this game um, before the game started, if you asked me, hey, I'm going to give you one play, and if you're successful on that one play, you beat Alabama, I would have taken that 100 times out of 100. And so at that moment, it kind of hit me that way. And I knew we had a really good play that we hadn't used and they hadn't seen. And when you get five out on the perimeter, you know, you, you truly have a threat. And so I felt really good about the play and it was well executed. And um, that, that was the thought behind it. Like you said, Dunk. One play to beat Alabama, you take it 10 times out of 10, at least in, in, where the LSU Tigers are right now. I thought it was a no-brainer. And I'm a conservative guy. I'm not a guy that likes to go for too often. You're at home. Uh, nine times out of 10, I'm going to probably say kick the extra point and win in overtime. But that defense was gassed. They had a chance to go, and I thought they had a much better chance to get the two-point conversion than to beat them by going on an overtime, another overtime. Yeah, when I saw them – 
trot out their offense on the field for that. I, I told my, my friend next to me, I said, he's got a play he really likes. There, you know, you, you only go for it unless you got something there that you think is going to be uh, very successful. And uh, I've heard Sean Payton talk about that all the time. You know, having one in your – you keep one in your back pocket just for that kind of occasion, and he alluded to that. And, uh, it, look, uh, Brian Kelly, you have to just be impressed with – just the way he's run this program. I mean, you can see he's like a CEO. He, he got his finger on the pulse of all facets of the football operation, and it's showing. Uh, you know, there's a lot of new moving parts there with coaches, and, uh, you know, just think how far uh, away they were in January to where they're at now, yeah. how far they've come. I mean, it's really amazing. I mean, this this team, I remember being at the, the Superdome for the Florida State game and seeing – I think it was 12 or 13 transfer portal players in the two deep roster for LSU first, either starting or backups. I mean, that was amazing to me that their program had gotten that far down and to pull all this together in such a short period of time, uh, really, really been one of the great coaching jobs I've seen. And there's no question. He's the gotta be the front runner right now for the sec coach of the year. And oh, maybe even the national coach of the year. I mean, I guess you could talk about Josh Heupel, but I think everyone expected ten, maybe not to be this good, but ten, no, I think everyone expected Tennessee to be top ten good. The fact that LSU is now number seven in the country in the AP poll and is about to move up to probably six or seven in the college football playoff poll, I would have told you we're nuts six, seven, eight weeks ago. I mean, out of your mind. I think anybody with any any besides the LSU crazies would have told you that you were nuts if you thought that. So where they are, it's 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 just absolutely outstanding, and uh, I had to go off to them. And uh, nothing to take away from Tulane Tulsa, but we got a jam-packed show. Congrats to the Tulane Green Wave as well. They move up in the AP rankings. I think they were uh, 16th, 17th, somewhere around there uh, in the AP poll. And congratulations to the Wave again. We've got to spend a lot of time uh, this morning. To, we welcome your comments, by the way. Uh, as Rose Marie says, on to Arkansas, beat the pigs. Uh, a lot of a lot of a lot of fans out there, and we appreciate your comments and questions. Uh, Priscilla says, "Good on LSU." You're welcome to ask any comments you want, ask any questions of Dunk or I that you want. We'll we'll put them on the air here, and we'll, we'll talk about them. We're gonna run till about ten o'clock this morning, and uh, we want to jump to the big news of of the day. Anyway, want to talk about Raven Saints, and you know, Dunk. Before we get to Raven Saints, I want to talk about the weird day in the NFL yesterday. Um. We had, I think, three 20 to 17 scores. Four. In, four. Four 20 to 17 scores, including last night's game, Kansas City against Tennessee. Um, I, look, I, the one that shocks me the most, I guess, is Bill's Jets. I mean, even though I said in my column, I had one of those, it was one of those heebie jeebie games. I predicted the Bills to win by three. I thought the Jets had a chance, and I just didn't have the gumption to pick them because. I guess I really didn't expect the Bills to play as poorly as they did with the Jets. I mean, they're playing outstanding defense. It was a weird day in the NFL yesterday. Yeah, it's kind of been a weird weird season. That's what my column was about uh, in the paper this morning was how it's really been a silly season. I mean, who would have thought that the, the Packers would be, you know, what are they're they, terrible. Three, two and six now? They're, they're terrible. They're three, yeah, I think yeah. they're three and six. But they're yeah, terrible. three and six and um, – you know that I watched that Rams Bucks game, and if you would have thought that both of those teams are terrible, right? In preseason, you looked at that game and said that's a marquee game. That's two big time teams going to be you know NFC playoff contenders. 
And both of, I watched that game and I said, the Saints are going to beat both these teams. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, they're, they're both struggling. So it's just been a crazy season. And one thing I think, I haven't seen too much, uh, you know, written about this or even discussed about this, but I really think there was a wave of new young offensive coordinator type head coaches that came in the league a few years ago from the Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay tree. Uh, a lot of them got hired. There's a lot of them around the league. And I think for a while there, that scheme was really kind of ahead of the NFL defense. Yeah. And I think the defenses have caught up. I mean, you can no – their scores are low across the league. It's difficult to score touchdowns. And we're seeing, I think, some of the lowest scoring NFL games in a long time. And I think that's because these defenses have gotten so good. Here's why I think – and I've said this from day one, and I don't care how well Buffalo's played. This is why I think that one of the favorites is – it's going to be a weird year. It's been a weird year already. I think some team that – that we're not talking about really is going to win the Super Bowl this year. I don't think it's going to be Buffalo. I don't think it's going to be Kansas City. Um, I think it's going to be some weird team because to me, you talk about all the things that are going on. I think you got to be able to run the football to win this year. And the, the you talk about Buffalo and Kansas City, but other than their quarterbacks, they can't really run the football all that much. And I, I mean, I, I just don't. You can't get away from the running game. And and the reason why Tennessee had a chance. Uh, last night is because of Derrick Henry. Yep. They, they showed they had maybe the worst quarterback play I've seen of any team this entire year, except maybe with the exception of some things going on in Carolina. That, that Malik Willis is not going to be an NFL quarterback. I, I mean, I, don't, I know it's only two games in his career. He's not an NFL quarterback. With the, the fact that they were able to hang in there and be leading deep into the fourth quarter shows you if you have a running game and you have a solid defense – you can win no matter who you're playing. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. I think tonight's game will be a big, two teams that can run the ball very well. And I think that's going to be a key to that game tonight. But you see around the league now, with more teams going to a, a dual-threat quarterbacks, I mean, look at look at what Chicago's doing. Chicago figured out a few weeks ago that, you know, Justin Fields is still developing as a, a passing quarterback. So they're just starting to run. Yeah. Every we're just running him. I mean, he ran for an NFL record yesterday. So uh, they've been competitive because they can run the ball. Uh, the Bears don't have. I mean, they've traded away two or three of their best players, and they're still competing with teams. So I agree with you. I think we've kind of gone to old school football. Uh, I know uh, last year Bill Belichick talked about that. Sometimes you got to you know uh, zig while the rest of the league's zagging. I think that's that's true in this case. I could see this being a year like that 2000. I think it was 15 season where Carolina dominated the whole year. I think the, the MVP went to Cam Newton. They lost one game, and then they got through the tough NFC playoffs and got in the Super Bowl and got, got beat by the Broncos, who were a big underdog in that game. I could see that happening with an NFC team this year. Where I agree. AFC is going to be such a gauntlet that whoever survives it might not have anything left in the tank for the Super Bowl, and I, I could see an upset happening. That's why I like the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, yep. Christian McCaffrey changes that team immensely with that defense. Um, and the Saints are going to play the 49ers in a few weeks. It's coming up. That is not going to be an easy game for the Saints. We'll talk about that uh, coming up. But uh, you talk about old school and new school. Tonight is going to be kind of that kind of game, old school versus new school. And the Saints, uh, the, the line is, has dropped significantly. The Sharps are all over the Saints tonight. We'll talk about our predictions later on in the show. But a week ago at this time, the Saints were three-point underdogs. It went down to two and a half. It stayed two and a half most of the week. 
It went to two on Saturday. And then last night, and I didn't check it this morning. I should have. But last night, when I was doing my trends column, after I finished my trends column, it dropped to one and a half. So the big money is on the Saints tonight. And a lot of it, Dunk, has to do with the fact that the Ravens have some key injuries, and one of them being Mark Andrews, their all-pro tight end. Um, and, and also Gus Edwards, their, their running back, who they, they just got. I mean, so it's going to be – their offense is going to – it's going to have to be Lamar Jackson for Baltimore and the Saints, but the Saints have their own injuries as well. If Lamar can find somebody to throw to, you know, that's what the key is going to be. No, I, 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 look, I know we talked earlier this week about how this game's going to be played. I think it's going to be a physical – run the ball, do not turn it over. I mean, it might go over, but it's going to be tough for me to see how Baltimore is going to consistently move the ball. I mean, they're going to be missing their best running back, their best tight end, and their best receiver in this game. They still have the great, the best, and I, you can talk about Michael Vick and Randall Cunningham, whoever you want. They still have the greatest dual threat mobile quarterback to me in the history of the NFL. Yeah, no, no doubt. And the Saints... Defense, though, should should be inspired the last week. I mean, look, they're honoring the Dome Patrol tonight. Sam Mills and his family oh, there, so I, it's going to be great. Going to be a great atmosphere tonight. I mean, they're bringing back uh, all the Hall of Famers, Jim. All the Saints Hall of Famers in one spot. First time I think that's ever happened in New Orleans. So Morton Anderson, Ricky Jackson, and Willie Rope will be there as well. They're bringing Vic Fangio and Jim Morian. So it's, I, if you can't get inspired on, on the Monday night stage going against Lamar Jackson, I don't know what this defense will need. I think they're going to really bring their A game again, and I just think it's going to be difficult for Baltimore to move the ball consistently. I like the Saints tonight, but they've got to con- control him. They've got to run to the football. I mean, the uh, way they played against the Raiders is how they have to play in this game with energy, effort, and enthusiasm. I, I just can't believe they won't be. Uh, considering everything going into this game in prime time. Jim Derry and Jeff Duncan here on Monday morning. We are taking your comments and questions. Also, if you want to give your prediction, um, you're more than welcome to do that. We'll show that on the air when when we get to the point of the show when we're going to give predictions. We're going to run until about 10 a.m. this morning. It is a special Monday edition of the Data 2. Well, it's not a special. We run every Monday, but Duncan and I usually aren't live on Monday morning. So that's special about it. And there will be a special Tuesday Datitude, it will not be live. It'll be wherever you can find wherever you find your podcast. You can go search for Datitude. Tomorrow I'll have my uh, Derry's Dime uh, tomorrow morning after the Saints, hopefully for most of you, beat the Baltimore Ravens. We'll talk more about that. Uh, to, to your point, Dunk, about the, the lower scoring game, this, this over-under total has dropped significantly as well, along with the spread. The spread has dropped a point and a half, so is the over-under, going down to 46 and a half. And a lot of that has to do, obviously, with the weapons that Baltimore doesn't have. And it's not just Mark Andrews and Gus Edwards. I mean, Rashad Perryman is is out for the rest of the season. Um, and so, you know, he's going to have to look to Devin DuVernay and whoever else he can find to, to throw the football to. The Saints are without Mar- um, Marshawn Lattimore, and they're going to have to figure out who's going to cover. But you were talking last week, last Friday, about, about how Elante Taylor has really stepped up and improved. And they're going to be counting on Paulson Adebo as well. Yeah, and I don't know if we'll see the debut of Deshaun Jackson tonight for Baltimore or not. I know they picked him up a few weeks ago. He was inactive against the Bucks. What's uh, he like? Forty-eight. Yeah, wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. I mean, I'm just saying, like they they need help at receiver right now. This is a team 
if you're going to be missing a Marshawn Lattimore again, this is a team you want to you can probably get by with it because they're not a strong receiving core at all. The strength of their team is their tight ends without Andrews, who's by far uh, Lamar Jackson's number one target. Without him, they still got good receivers at tight end. I mean, Isaiah Lively is a, you know. A yeah, very, he's a good young tight end. Very right, big time guy. And, uh, you know, so they're, they'll, they'll move the chain. This is going to be kind of a, one of those old school games. I think yeah. every once in a while they'll take a shot downfield. You mentioned uh, Devin DuVernay. I mean, that's a big key to this game, I think, is special teams. You know, Harbaugh, his background was in special teams. He was a coordinator for a long time, and they were always good on teams. DuVernay is one of the top return men in the league, and then they also have a Hall of Fame kicker in Justin Tucker. So, uh, to me, that's an area the Saints have kind of struggled in, surprisingly, this year. Uh, Will Lutz is, uh, I think the Saints are 30th right now in the uh, 32 teams in field goal kicking. Uh, that's something that's going to have to improve, especially in a game like this. They could come down to a, a last-second field goal. Well, and then nobody wants to hear about your fantasy team department. I need uh, Will Lutz to score five points tonight for me to w- win my big league. So, <laughs> nobody cares, but I do. So I like that. I like your I like your chances there. All right. Um, some interesting notes. Run my trends column every Sunday morning. I put more info than anyone could possibly want to know in my trends column. I have what the uniforms are going to be, who the referee is, uh, just trends on each team, and then the quarterbacks and their series history against one another. A couple trends I want to talk about uh, this morning with you and get your take on. Saints are looking for back-to-back wins. They haven't done it all season long. Do you – I'm, you know the last time that the Saints have gone this deep into a season without winning back-to-back games. No, that's a good one. Uh, it's got to, it's, it has to have been a long time. When was that? 2008. Wow. 08 was the last time they've been this deep into a season. They won their 10th and 11th games of 2008 on the way to an 8-8 eight eight finish. So 08 was kind of like a lot like this season is. And Dunk, to me, for the Saints to I, – I, I get that the division stinks. Um, but to me – you got a game that you can win tonight because you're playing a team that's good. I don't think they're great. I think they're good. I think they're a little overrated, but they're banged up. So you, you got to take advantage of that. Uh, next week, you go on the road and play a team that you're going to be a field goal favorite in Pittsburgh, a team that's having its issues. They're young. Uh, Mike Tomlin is, is one of the best coaches in the NFL, but they're struggling. Uh, and then you play, talk about struggling. You're playing a Rams team at home. So to me, this is where you, there's no more chances. You've got to make a run here. I think you've got to win at least two of three, and really, maybe three of three, because you're playing a really, really tough back end of this schedule. Agreed. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. These next three games are all winnable. I think if the Saints go two and one in those in those games, they're right in it, right in this thing. Uh, I don't see sustained success for any of the other teams in the NFC South. I think the Saints right now should be the favorite to win the division. I agree. But they've got they got to take care of business. And tonight's a, a, a real opportunity for them. I wouldn't like them at all if this game were play, being played in Baltimore. But here at home, I know the Saints have not played that well. I think they're going to have a great atmosphere tonight. And I think this could be a home field advantage for them. And I, I think they can get some, some turnovers in this game from Lamar Jackson. He's not afraid to stick it in there. Uh, he's got an incredibly strong arm. But uh, he can make some mistakes in the passing game if they can win first and second down. It's all going to come down to how well they defend that RPO game. 
Uh, they've struggled against that in the past, and we've seen their history against the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. Uh, but I think having that extra time to prepare for that this week and the way the Saints linebackers have been playing, uh, I like their chances to, to kind of control that running game. And if nothing else, limit the explosive plays. And I think that's going to be the key tonight is if you can just continue to kind of make them grind out long drives, I don't know if Ravens can consistently execute offensively to put up uh, you know enough points to beat the Saints. I did notice this, though. JD, the the I looked at the Baltimore Sun this morning. I guess we're all guilty of this, but they had their staff predictions for the game, and I think of the nine people, like seven picked the Ravens, uh, two picked the Saints, but it was every one of them picked a close game, just sort of like what we think it's going to be, probably a very uh, nail biter going down to the fourth quarter. Yeah, I'd be surprised if it's not a close game. Uh, I think it's you know it's it's set up for that way, uh, but to go to to your point again about playing at home. I mean, I don't, I don't think the fans can realize this right now because they're not thinking ahead about schedule and where they've been. But this is the fourth out of five home games. And the Saints only have eight. The rest of the NFC has has nine home games. The Saints only have eight because they had one of their home games was, was put in London. So after this game, they do have another home game in two weeks against the Rams, but they only have three home games the rest of the season. Rams, Falcons, and Panthers. That's it. So, I mean, you got to take care of business at home. The Saints have not, but they now have a chance to have a winning record at home. If they can win tonight, they can go to three and two in the Dome, uh, which you have to have a winning record at home. I mean, last year proved that, that they weren't able to do get things done at home, which was not a Sean Payton stable, uh, staple at all. So, tonight is, is extra big. And, you know, look, Brian Kelly just alluded to the home field advantage that LSU had on Saturday night. I think the Saints will have that to some degree I agree. tonight. You know, they were, they were, there was a great crowd for the Raiders game. Obviously, the Raiders are really struggling. I mean, they've lost three games with they had 17 point leads in. That's unbelievable. Uh, it's the first time that's ever happened, I think, this quickly into a season for a team. So that game, uh, you know, I think tonight will be a much more of a gauge for Dennis Allen and his staff. I know, I think, the, I, I kind of agree with you. I think the Ravens are beatable, but they're still extremely well coached. And they know exactly no who they, they know who they are. Yeah. And so, you know, the Saints aren't going to go in there and, um, you know, be gifted a bunch of easy points. It's just not going to happen in this game unless Lamar Jackson throws some picks. But he will also – the other thing that he does is he will fumble. I mean, he runs the ball so much. He's not a very big guy. And he carries the ball loosely. Now, just catching catching up to him to, to get to the ball is difficult. But if you can get to him – uh, you can get that ball out. So I, I think they've got a chance to to turn the ball over a little bit on the Ravens uh, because they lean so much, and especially tonight with all of his weapons out, I think he's going to be trying to maybe play a little too much hero ball, and that can get him into trouble. He's trying to look for trends to see how the Ravens did before their bye week because they're off next week and uh, to see if there would be an advantage or disadvantage. And there's really not. The Ravens under Harbaugh are 7-7 seven and seven, uh, the week before their bye week. Uh, Saints don't have their bye week to week 14, so – they still have quite a few games left before they get to by that. By the way, just an opinion, but that's a ri- ridiculously absurd late bye week. <laughs> that that should not that should that should not happen. Um, we can talk about that in another show. But I, I think you know honestly, I think they ought to find a way. And I know they wouldn't want to take a whole week off, but I, I think it would be fair to have you get to the midway point of the season and everybody has their bye the same week and. I don't see why you don't do that. I think it would make for more compelling football that way. 
but uh, and have 16 games a week every week. But uh, that that's probably not going to happen. Um, interesting note about tonight. Now, I like to when I do my analysis on my picks, and uh, for those of you who know, I'm not listening to my best bets. I mean, okay, I got to take a chance to toot my own horn because you, you don't have a lot of chances like this when you're picking games. I'm now 32 and 13 in my my best bets for the year in the wow. NFL. And that's, that's amazing. Against, amazing that's against the spread. I mean, I went four and one for the second straight week. Um, and it, 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 I, I spend a lot more time with my analysis, but I also spend a lot of time often looking at who the referee is going to be. And last week we had a referee and Scott Novak that doesn't call a lot of penalties. And I think that helps the saints. I mean, not just because obviously you don't want a lot of penalties called, but I'm talking about a game, whether it, the Saints are better off if there's four penalties on both teams as they are if there's ten penalties on right. both teams. And totally tonight right. they have they have a referee tonight in Brad Rogers that calls a lot more penalties than Scott Novak. So that could come into play. The interesting thing about it is um, he this season, and I didn't go back beyond this season. He's only been a referee since uh, since 2019. The Ravens, in fact, the Ravens have only this is only the second time the Ravens will ever play. With Brad Rodgers as the, the head referee, they lost last year 24-22 to to the Browns. The Saints are, uh, let's see, the Saints are 1-2 and two when he calls games. They, he called the, the Dallas game last year uh, that the Saints lost in the Dome on a Thursday night. But his crews have called an average of eight penalties per game on the visiting team for, for an average of 70 yards a game. And he's called an average of 5.6 on the home team. Which I find kind of strange. Yeah, um, that's it's a big disparity. It's a huge disparity. And and when I was doing it last week, Novak, it was almost the exact same number for both teams. There was low numbers. It was in the, the neighborhood of like four point something. So I don't know if that's an advantage of the Saints or not. But the fact that he calls that's still uh, quite a few penalties. An average of fourteen penalties a game is a lot in an NFL game. So the Saints going to have to be careful along that front line and uh, be careful in the defensive backfield. Well, I think that's the key always for the Saints is do they let them get get away with physical contact in the secondary because that's just the way the, the Saints are coached to play. It's been part of Dennis Allen's scheme ever since he's been here. They're, they're very handsy. They get away with a lot. And when they play an officiating crew that is sticklers on that, they yep. struggle. They get called for it. They're, I think they lead the league in defensive holding right now. Uh, that's not by accident. That's not a conspiracy. That's the way the Saints play. But more often than not, it pays off for them because they're able to reroute and, and really play sticky coverage. And it'll be – I don't think it's – again, I don't think it's going to be a big issue tonight because I don't see Baltimore uh, using the receivers that much. I think they're going to be a tight end, Lamar Jackson type of game. Uh, and then every once in a while they'll take a shot downfield. But I, I like the way Alante Taylor, we talked about that. I like the way he stepped up. He's going to have to step up again tonight. But there's no reason to think he won't. I mean, this kid's playing very hungry right now. And the, on the other side of the ball, J.D., I, w- I would say, look for the Saints to kind of pick on their secondary. I mean, Baltimore's, I think they're like 25th or 26th in the league in pass defense. So you can throw yeah. the ball. Yeah, you can throw the ball on them. And so I think there's an opportunity there to get uh, pick on their, their – I think they've got a rookie nickelback uh, named Williams – Demarion, uh, Demarion Williams, who uh, a lot of teams pick on. I mean, he's a fourth-round draft pick starting out there. Uh, that's a guy that I think there are two starting corners, Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey are solid, but you can get get after them in, at the nickelback position. 
Yeah, we talked on Friday, and I showed this graphic, and I know you think that the Saints are going to try to, I mean, they have to establish the run. There's no question they have to try. But when you look at this this graphic, I, I mean, Saints fans know what I think about this, Who anyone who's listened to me. Um, but I think a lot of this, the, the chances of victory tonight are going to be on the shoulders of Andy Dalton because I think they're going to have a much tougher time to run the football this week. You see yeah. that the the Russian uh, defense, uh, they are fifth in the NFL in Russian defense. And the, the Saints have done well. Alvin Kamara finally got in the end zone. He did it three times last week. That's not going to happen this week. Alvin Kamara is not going to is not going to score three times tonight. No. Um, so a lot. I, I'm not <laughs> saying Andy Dalton has to be perfect, but he has to be, have one of his better games for the Saints to win tonight. Yeah, I think I think it'll come down to that. I mean, this game, as most NFL games, will come down to especially when they're two very closely matched teams. Sometimes it can come down to somebody making a big play at the quarterback position. That's what. The, the Ravens rely on Lamar Jackson for, but I agree with the Saints still have to stick to the running game, but this could be a big game for Taysom Hill. I could see him being more effective tonight than, than Alvin Kamara. And I like the way the Saints ran the ball against the Raiders. I think getting Anders Pete back helped a lot. That offensive line has really kind of solidified itself. And another underestimated factor, people don't recognize this, but Adam Troutman's going to play tonight and he's big time in their Saints running game. He's their best blocking tight end, and uh, I think having him back certainly helps that uh, quarterback power play that the Saints like to run with Taysom Hill. When they get down the red zone, we know Taysom Hill is going to come into the game. That's been a big key to the Saints' success in scoring touchdowns. They're one of the best in the league in red zone offense, and that's been a, a struggle for the Ravens. So that's an area that I think the Saints, if they can get down and the few times they get down there, punching in for seven as opposed to three, I think that could be the difference in them winning this game. We have about 10 or 15 minutes left in our live show here on Datitude. Jeff Duncan and Jim Derry on a special Monday edition of the podcast here. Uh, so if you want to get your prediction in, now is the time we'll be giving ours in, in just a few minutes. And uh, Duncan and I will both be in the Dome tonight. In fact, uh, we'll be uh, tweeting out during the game. And I know I'm going to be on the at bet underscore NOLA Twitter feed if you haven't uh, if you haven't followed us on Twitter yet, now's your chance uh, because we we give a lot of good information out during the game, including live lines and and maybe some analysis and maybe our maybe a prediction or two or things that we think might happen. Just some some cool stuff at bet underscore Nola. I am at Jim Derry Jr. Jeff is at Jeff underscore Duncan. So if you want to follow us during the game tonight, uh, you're more than welcome. We got a lot of comments about Let's Go Saints. I know there's a lot of Saints fans out there. Uh, but I'd like to see predictions other than the Saints are going to win 50 to nothing. That's not going to happen. Uh, we, we appreciate those. But uh, All right, Lindsay wants to know, will the Saints make it to the playoffs? Um, Dunk, the only chance they really have at this point is to win this division, which they certainly are capable of doing. I think a lot rides on tonight's game. Even Agreed. though it's only week nine. Well, if you look at the schedule the rest of the way, it's pretty user-friendly. I mean, the only team with a winning record the rest of the way is is the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, I think San Francisco is going to be certainly a challenge and and certainly will be a winning record. But those are the two big games the rest of the way. And Cleveland with Deshaun Watson. 
Yeah, and Deshaun Watson will be back, and that's a, a Christmas Eve game. Unfamiliar opponent. That's always a tough game. All uh, three so. of those games on the road, by the way. I know. Yeah, all of them on the road. Saints have been a good road team, but um, I think tonight's game, if they can get tonight, and I think they, they, they will win, I really do. I know we'll get to predictions later, but I think this team can go on a little run here uh, and, and get back to 500. And once they get to 500 in this division, I think, I think it's going to be one of those years where we're going to have a 500 team win the division. Maybe that's what my column was about this week. Jim was like, you know, we always talk in New Orleans about, you know, the, the gods are against us and we're cursed and all the bad luck. And remember that year in 2010, the beast mode year when the Saints oh, had yeah. to go on the road and play a seven and nine division champion, uh, even though they had a much better record than them and got trucked by, by Marshawn Lynch and the Seahawks, it could flip around this year and the Saints could end up getting a home game uh, it, with a very similar record, I think. And so sometimes these things do eventually even out. Yeah, uh, there's no question. I mean, it's eight and nine is the bare minimum, but I still think it's going to take nine and eight to win this division. Uh, and I think that if the Saints do win tonight and get to four and five with a chance to go get back to four, 500 uh, next week in Pittsburgh, if they were able to do that, that would give them a ton of momentum. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm definitely not saying it's going to happen because I don't think it's going to happen, to be honest. But uh, if they could, it changes the entire outlook on the season. You forget about everything that's happened so far, the bad things that have happened. All those go out of your mind. If you get to five and five, and if the, frankly, if the Saints win tonight, they're, they're tied for first place with, to me, an average Atlanta team and a below average Tampa Bay team. I don't think Tampa Bay is any good at all. I mean, I, they have no running game at all. No, and, uh, they can't and run the ball at all. They can't run the ball, and Tom Brady looks like he's 45 years old. I know they won the game yesterday, and uh, you know all the talking heads this morning. I can't believe that's the game they're talking about more than anything. That was the lead on on every show this morning was Tampa Bay. It's only because they're trying to drive ratings. But to me, who cares? That was two really bad football teams yesterday. Two well, teams the, going nowhere. The if Rams. Bay, did, yeah, you, go ahead. did you see that stat on the Rams? I saw it on social media. They've been outscored seventy-one to ten in the fourth quarter. I did say that actually. I mean, that's un. un they can't run the football either, and right? And I, I've never been. Look, uh, I, I've always felt like Sean McVay was highly overrated. I think he's a, you know, a good. Well, he can't coach. beat San Francisco, right? Right. I just feel like I mean that that game plan he put together when when they end up beating the Saints here on the bad call and then they get in the Super Bowl. And that was one of the worst performances I've ever seen in Super Bowl history. I, I mean, agree. The Rams were completely unprepared. They got outcoached by a very mediocre Patriots team. Uh, I just haven't seen enough out of Sean McVay. I think they were fortunate to win the Super Bowl last very. year. Uh, things just went their way, and they got they got a Bengals team that wasn't the best team. Yeah, they play anybody else but the Bengals, and they don't win the Super Bowl. Right. So it just and we're seeing it this year. They're they're you're talking about having bleak futures. The Rams' future is pretty bleak. They don't. Well, they've got a lot of cap issues. They don't have a lot of draft picks, as we know. They've traded them all away. Yes, they got a Super Bowl, but I wouldn't want to be part of that future. Sean McVay's going to retire after this year. I mean, there's been room. There's been rumors about it. Uh, there was rumors that he thought about it before this year, and I think he sees where that team is going, and they're going in the wrong direction, and they're not going to be coming back anytime soon. Matt Stafford is starting to look like an older quarterback as well. It doesn't help that he doesn't have a running game. But no, it's, oh, no, I mean, they obviously miss Andrew Whitworth more than anyone could have possibly expected. But they are not a good football team. 
and they're not again they're not going in the right direction uh they're not going to be good anytime soon all right mike morell wants to know when is Lattimore supposed to be back i don't know the answer to that do you i don't know no, if he's gonna be anytime mike, soon nobody seems to know i think it's more serious than people thought yeah uh i think the frustration saints fans have and and we talked about this about the mike thomas situation is there's just been so much ambiguity about some of their injured stars uh you wonder That's why the they way well yeah and the fact that they haven't put guys on the short-term IR, you know, that, that creates a little more hope, I think, because you, you're thinking they're going to be back sooner. But we're looking at now coming up on four games for Marshawn Lattimore. So. There was no reason not to put him on the IR, right? right. It goes back to what I was talking about uh, last week when we were talking about Mike Thomas. And, you know, I, I just don't believe in this medical staff at all. I mean, they have shown to be – I don't want to go as far to say inept, but they have had their issues over the past several years. Sean Payton had a problem with some of the people that were on the medical staff, and I don't think it's gotten any better. And somebody's not getting some right information because there's absolutely zero reason that Michael Thomas shouldn't have been on the IR three or four weeks ago, and there's clearly no reason that Marshawn Lattimore shouldn't have been put on the IR. I'm not saying that the first week that he's hurt, but you got to realize at some point he's not coming back anytime soon. There's no reason he should have been shouldn't have been put on IR. And now you, you wonder about Jarvis Landry. What Should he have been put on IR as well? Right. Yeah, I think Jarvis Landry is going to give it a go tonight. We'll see. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think he'll be limited, certainly, in, in how many snaps he gets. But the Lattimore situation certainly is uh, it's a serious one. I know, you know, he's got some internal in there. Yeah. But Mike Thomas, I think, is a unique situation because he's such a uh, kind of complicated guy. Uh, he doesn't like to have surgery. No one likes to have surgery, but he especially, uh, I don't think he's ever had surgery until that ankle of a year well, ago. He could be, what, he's afraid of it, I guess. Yeah, that's what caused the the, the long-term delay that, that led to the issue with the team was the, the fact that he wanted to do a conservative approach to the rehab. It didn't take, and they ended up having to have a surgery anyway. And I think the same similar situation has happened here with this toe, where, you, you know, and I think Saints fans wonder, why didn't he – go ahead and have the surgery early on. Maybe he could have come back at some point later in the season. And now uh, it, it's like his things played out all over again, the exact same kind of situation with Mike Thomas. So I do think he's a little more of a unique situation because he has his own, as I, I think I mentioned to you last week, he has his own trainers. He has his own medical staff, his own doctors he goes to. I mean, he's very much kind of a one, uh, one-off with this team. I mean, yeah. he, he, He's not like most of the players. I mean, and the fact that they've invested so much in him, uh, they're kind of their hands are tied a little bit as far as how they deal with him. I mean, they want. They, I think there were some trust issues between Mike Thomas and the team with with the way everything went down last time. So they're they're kind of dancing around this one with Mike Thomas trying to keep him on board, and um, and that's probably led to some of the why the ambiguity with his injury. I don't want to spend too much time talking about Mike Thomas because we spent a lot of time last week talking about him, and people know how I feel. I think people know how Dunk feels for the most part. There's really not much that more to say on him, and, and today is about game day. So, but I do want to I, – I, more that I would, we would answer questions that are asked. And so Daryl asked, have we seen the last of, of Mike Thomas with the Saints? I mean, I don't – at some point he's going to play with the Saints because no one else is going to want him. I mean, I said we've gone into detail about his contract. So unless he just doesn't play anymore, which 
I think it's probably doubtful. At some point, he's going to play. Whether he gets surgery or whatever he's going to do, he's going to have to play, and he's going to have to play for the Saints because they're stuck. No one's going to take him. They're, they're stuck with his contract. So I think that it's probably a 90% chance he, he suits up again, and I think of that 90% chance, 88% of it is going to be with the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're, they're contractually almost bound to him right now. Uh, there's really no way they can move him unless somehow you got another team that was interested in Bond trading for him. Yeah, and agreed to pay some of his contract. I mean, that would be the only way I think it would work. But uh, I know, look, they're internally, they're not upset at Mike Thomas. I mean, nobody is upset with him. I think the fans are upset with how the whole thing was handled. But, uh, you know, as far as the Saints front office and management, they're fine with him. So I don't think Sean Payton think, was. I think, yeah, well, they, yeah, that was a year ago. But the, in this instance, I don't think they feel like he did much wrong. And they were all on the same page on this uh, as opposed to last time. So I don't think, I think the discontent with Mike Thomas is from outside the building more so than inside. Yeah. Could be. Uh, well, we have reached that point in the show where it is time for a Duncan Eyes prediction. Uh, as the Ravens face the Saints once again. The Saints are one-and-a-half-point underdog, but the big money has clearly been on the Saints as we've gone along, something we really haven't seen throughout the season. That Really, the big money has been against the Saints for most of the season. So this is the first time I've seen a line change this much in the favor of the Saints. So people who know what they're doing are betting on the New Orleans Saints. Dunk, I'm going to let you go first. Yeah, I picked the Saints to win this game outright in the paper. I think it'll be a, a – at first I thought it might be a little more high scoring, but with what I've seen with the injuries at Baltimore, I really think that's also contributed to that line moving. I mean, they're, they're really banged up. It's not just those three big offensive stars. I got some other guys that are going to be out. So I like the Saints in a kind of a, a field goal type game. I think if they can get control early <clears throat> like they did against the Raiders, that'll go a long way. Uh, they don't want to drop behind and have Andy Dalton have to pass them back into contention. So I think kind of I think Dennis Allen will manage this game with that in mind. I think it'll be very conservative from both coaches, and uh, they're going to see who's going to blink first. And I think the Saints have kind of found their rhythm offensively right now. They know who they are. They're a run-first team, and uh, I just like them tonight in this special environment. I think the home field advantage will will carry them to a close win. I, I think I picked. Uh, like 26 to 16 or something like that in the paper. I'll stick with that. Well, you are very optimistic. Um, you and I are usually on the same page when it comes to predictions. Uh, we're we're rare. I mean, it goes to show like last year in the Carville contest, I think we were one game apart and we were yep. both more than 30 games over 500 against the spread, which is amazing in itself. Um, I just I can't change my prediction. I thought about it yesterday and whether I wanted to change it or not, and I just can't. Um, I, this is going to be the first time all season. Uncle Big Nick, by the way, we'll we'll get to your question in just a minute. <laughs> I just I, here's the reason why I don't like the Saints tonight. I think the Ravens going to win, and and I do I do agree that the home field is going to be huge, probably more important tonight than in any other game. I just keep going back to the fact that this game is going to be rested upon Andy Dalton's shoulders. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. There's no ways around it. Andy Dalton is going to have, have to have a great game tonight and, and because they're going to have to be able to pass the ball. I think he needs to throw for 300 yards and not turn the ball over for the Saints to win tonight. I know 
the, the, the Ravens are banged up on offense, but um, they know how to stop the run. And I think that the Saints have, the Saints are one in four. I brought this up the other day. The Saints are one in four the past two seasons against teams with uh, quarterbacks who are in the top 10 uh, rushing quarterbacks in the league. And Lamar Jackson is the best of the bunch. Even though they're banged up, I think he's going to rush for 80 or 90 yards tonight. And I just don't like this matchup. I don't like the, the being on Andy Dalton's shoulders. I, I didn't realize this until I did my trends column this morning, but Andy Dalton has played the Ravens, and I know they were in the same division, but good God, he's played the Ravens 17 times in his career. He's <laughs> yeah. seven and he's seven and ten against them. And uh he's thrown for 4,285 yards against the Ravens in his career. He's only got a 57.2% completion percentage against them. So 22 touchdowns and 19 intercept 19 interceptions in 17 games. It's not very good. Um, so we'll see what happens. I hope I'm wrong. And I almost changed my pick, but I decided to stick with it. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Great. Saints win. That would be a wonderful thing. And I actually think it's going to be a higher scoring game. I think – there's going to be a lot of play and catch up. But I, I agree with Duncan the fact that I think it's going to be tight until the fourth quarter. Um, I hope it doesn't count, come down to Justin Tucker because let me tell you something. If you don't think Justin Tucker hasn't been looking forward to this game, the first mixed, missed extra point of his seven-year career, of then seven-year career, came against the Saints. And not only was it an important kick, it was super key because it was 24 to 23, 24 seconds left, I believe, in the game. Something Justin Tucker had never done. He missed an extra point, and the Saints won. And don't think he hasn't been thinking about that for four years. So if it comes down tonight, he's going he's gonna to do it. Campbell says he just needs to play. The d- defense got to stop the quarterback. Oh, I think he's answering Nick's uh, – Uncle Big Nick, I tell you when I ask your question, need the best play for DFS. I know don't, uh, you don't get into all that, but that is daily fantasy. Uh, and who are the best players for tonight? He said he's got uh, Taysom versus Lamar. Who gets more touchdowns? I like that. I like Taysom. I think Taysom could have a big game tonight. I think it, he has to have a big game because I think, it, it, like you said, uh, they don't need this game to come down to Andy Dalton. I, th- I think uh, Taron Walk on our staff had the, the story this week about Andy Dalton historically bad in primetime games. I mean, going back to his Bengals days, and we saw he had his worst game of the year this year in Arizona, which was a primetime game. Uh, he's just, for whatever reason, has not played well in those games. So if it comes down to having him carry you in a game like this, I think that's a little, uh, that's not what the Saints want. They're going to have to yeah. get some kind of running game with Taysom Hill and uh, Alvin Kamara. I hope I'm wrong about Andy Dalton tonight. I really do. I've been saying, and I told, I, I said, you know, I, I knew the social media genius would have come at me last week after Andy Dalton played well. He didn't play great. It was Alvin Kamara. That played well. It was more Taysom involved. But the Saints, one thing they did get out of last week is they they got their formula, right? Yep. The defense played as well as they could possibly play. They were geared up for that game. You talked about how there was a different look about them before the game. They need to have that look tonight. Will they? I don't know. But they need to have that look tonight. And you, you do need a lot of Taysom. Tonight. Taysom needs to touch the ball at least 12 to 14 times, in my opinion. And they need to have a, a couple of gadgets. He needs to throw the ball tonight, I believe, as well. Because uh, if it's on Andy Dalton, that that's that's bad news. We'll be able to see. But Uncle Big Nick also like Isaiah Lively tonight. Uh, if you're playing DFS, I like Duncan and I were talking about before. I think he's going to play a huge role for the Ravens on the other side. He might get seven or eight catches. 
certainly going to get a bunch of targets. We'll see how that works out. All right, before we go off the air, and we thank you for joining us, you got about four or five minutes left before. I want to switch gears real quick. Just want to touch on the New Orleans Pelicans, and it's been a weird week for the Pels. Two heartbreakers this this past week against the the Lakers and uh, against the Hawks, and I didn't change the date on that Lakers game, by the way. That was last Wednesday, not Friday. But they had no business losing that Lakers game. We talked about it, but then they did the same thing against the Hawks. They really had no business losing to the Hawks either. They they had the game won there towards the end and kind of let it slip away once again. Yeah, I expect them to bounce back against the Pacers tonight, uh, but those were really disappointing losses. The Lakers game in particular, I mean, the Lakers are bad right now. They're 2-7. Really uh, the, the, the Pelicans right now, their biggest challenge, uh, among other things, I mean, obviously getting back everybody back healthy has been a, a big boost for them. Now they got to start playing together so they can – develop some continuity and figure out the roles with how they're going to play. But more than that, I think it's their mental mindset. To me, you still have too many lapses with this team. They're just not quite there yet. They don't have a killer mindset. And I don't know where that comes from, but they got to develop it because they let too many games slip away. That that Lakers game was a prime example. They should have come out and blitzed them early and given them no hope. Instead, they had a dog fight. I, I saw the same thing. I covered the game Friday night, Jim. I mean, the Warriors didn't start any of their starters. I think they had one starter, but none of their stars, Clay and Steph and Draymond Green, all sat. And you could just tell the, the Pelicans looked at that lineup and said, well, we can beat these guys whenever we want. And they just kind of cruise control through the game. And as a result, there was like three minutes left in the game, and it was basically a, a one-possession game. Uh, yeah. It should never happen with the talent disparity. So – They've got a ways to go with their mental approach to the game. And I think it's got to come from their two young stars, Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. Even though C.J. McCollum is, a, is unquestionably one of the leaders of the team, it, those two young guys are the superstars on this team. And they, one of them needs to kind of develop that I'm taking over the game mindset and I'm not going to let my teammates uh, cruise through these games. And I'm, keep, I'm still waiting for that to happen. I know it's mostly the same players, but I think Zion being in there, I still think I think they're still trying to figure out. Um, get it's going to take a while to develop that chemistry back again. C.J. McCollum never played with Zion, um, so I, I think there's there's some work to do there. I trust in Willie to to get this team together soon and sooner rather than later. Um, remember, last year they started out three and eighteen, so to be five and four is not really what you wanted, especially the way they looked in that opener. Uh, but I think that uh, this team is going to get it together but, uh, sooner rather than later. And, again, in Willie, we trust. Uh, before, lastly, before we go off the air, we had one more comment that, uh, Lindsay, we love you. Uh, we thank you for commenting all, all this morning. And she says Winston throws in assumptions. We don't need that. Um, Andy Dalton has thrown quite a few himself. So let's just, you know, I, we talk about the safe road. It doesn't matter what I think or even what Dunk thinks in this case. They've obviously committed to Andy Dalton, at least for the near future. But um, we'll see. Again, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that Andy Dalton can lead this team to the playoff. I hope I can I sit here in January and with Dunk and, and, and tell you that I'm eating crow because Andy Dalton has been good enough to lead this team to 9-8, and eight and they are going to the playoffs. Just don't see it. They need to take a gamble. doesn't matter, though. We'll find out tonight. I think tonight is going to tell a lot about this Saints team. Um, 
because, again, they have two winnable games after this. Tonight is a winnable game. They have got to find a way to play good football. That defense has got to step up like it stepped up against the Raiders. No, I agree. And, look, I think I think you hit the nail on the head with the Andy Dalton. I think uh, this game will come down to can he get it done. And my concerns with him has been when they've had to have him make a big drive at the end of the game to either win or tie the game, the only really time he came through was against the Vikings where he got them down for right. a field goal. But uh, that Bengals game should have been won, and he couldn't make the plays they needed at the end uh, to put that game away. So – He's limited. He he knows what he is at this stage of his career. Correct. He's uh, also that's what I was to say. He's older too. It's not like yeah. it's, this isn't the Andy Dalton from from six, seven, eight years ago. Exactly. And 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 so the, the Saints kind of have to manage their games that way. And uh, as long as he can avoid mistakes, I think they'll be in this game tonight. Uh, but he's struggled to do that in these primetime games against the Ravens, as you pointed out with all the stats. So to me, this is a game where there could be a lot of punts. And a lot of field position just trying to avoid losing the game as opposed to trying to win it. Again, you don't want it to come down to Justin Tucker. I promise no. you. If it comes down to Justin Tucker, turn the TV off. Just just do yourself a favor. Turn the TV off if it comes down to Justin Tucker. All right. Well, that is going to about wrap it up. Duncan and I both have to get ready to, for, for some action in the Dome tonight. Uh, the Bayou Bet Show will be live. Zach and I and Spencer. Zach and I will be... Um, either in the Dome or somewhere around the Dome. I don't think we've figured that out yet. But we have a live show this afternoon. All these same channels here on bet.nola.com and nola.com uh, will be live at 4 o'clock this afternoon. More previews on Raven Saints. I'm probably not going to change my prediction, but maybe I can put a rosier spin on it. I don't know. And hopefully Dunk's right. And, you know, Dunk's been right more than me, I think, when it comes to the Saints this year. But that is going to do it. Final thoughts, Mr. Duncan. No, looking forward to a great atmosphere. Can't wait to get on the field before the game. And I personally, you know, as a guy that uh, appreciates the history of the game and the nostalgia, I would, I, I encourage uh, and I've encouraged Saints executives, do more of this retro stuff. Everybody gets a Dome Patrol poster at the game. Oh, wow. That famed Dome Patrol poster that I think every kid in New Orleans had back in the 80s. What about the media? Do we get it too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's plenty of them there for the media. Right. I'll get you one. Uh, oh, actually, mm-hmm. you get one, I think, tonight in the press box. But I love it because the Saints have great, unique uniforms. They have great logos, great history. I'd like great. to see them do more of this kind of retro stuff to honor the, the people that came to this organization before the current iteration. So I'm really fired up for that tonight to see the, the festivities around the halftime and pregame. Well, we've had Ricky Jackson and Jim Mora on this show in, the, in our brief little one-year history, um, so maybe we can get Pat Swilling on and uh, at, at some point in the near future. That would be fun. And, uh, but it is always uh, the Dome Patrol. You talk about them and you talk about Morton Anderson. I know you, you know Morton fairly well. Uh, it's just a wonderful thing, wonderful honor to honor all the, the old past. And You know, you think about it, a lot of these 30-somethings don't even know these guys really. I know, I know. It's kind you of know, amazing. I think this is the first time, like I said, that – all the Saints Hall of Famers will have been together in New Orleans at the same yeah. time. I know they all went out to dinner at Impostados the other night and had a great meal, and all the families are here. So it's, it's going to be really a special environment tonight. There's no question. It will be a rocking dome. Dome Patrol being honored. going to be a lot of fun, we hope. We hope it's a lot of fun. 
Uh, and like we joked in our open, um, have you planned how you're going to call in sick? Some of you are off. I know like teachers and stuff are off tomorrow, election day. Uh, get out there and vote. No matter who you vote for, get out there and vote. Your voice needs to be heard. And that's all I will say on that. And your voices need to be heard in the Caesars Superdome tonight. And we close out this show trying to figure out a song. Always fun to try to find a song that matches the feeling. Well, after LSU's victory, and now with the Saints actually to have a chance to get back in the first place after the awful start, there's only one way to, I mean, I mean, sweet dreams are made of this, right? I mean, Annie Lennox said, said it best. To think that the Saints have a chance to get back in the first place. And quite frankly, if they do, they have to be the favorites to win this division, right? They won't be, but it'll give you uh, some value maybe at Caesars Sportsbook to both go put up a couple bucks on them. They were plus 600 to win the division before last week. I need to go check out and see where they are. I'm sure we'll talk about it on the Bayou Bet Show this afternoon. Anybody who's traveling to the Dome or driving home from work and getting ready for the game, Bayou Bets, Zach Ewing, Spencer Urquhart, and myself, Zach and I will be downtown somewhere. I'm not sure where. But uh, we'll be live at 4 o'clock on all of our NOLA.com and bet.nola.com social media pages. Check us out. Until then, we will talk to you tomorrow morning. I will have Derry's Dime. We hope it's a Derry Upper and not a Derry Downer. Enjoy the game, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Peace and love, my friends.